Attention, this is a matter of national security. After a meteorite crashed into the New Jersey Turnpike, the following digital audio transmission from the You Watch I Listen podcast was intercepted by NASA scientists in the year 2019. The You Watch I Listen podcast is about to start. Sit down, listen close, and try not to die. The You Watch I Listen podcast starts now. evacuated for a bomb threat. Oh, fuck you. A couple other really funny news stories. Kenny G. Who the fuck is Kenny G? The fucking clarinet player. What did he do wrong? He's being Charles Manson all weird. In the middle of it, he cuts her off and goes, Oh, fuck yeah. Take it out, take it out. Now I see why people followed Charles Manson. He was very straightforward. He had the right idea. It's time for the You Watch I Listen podcast, and always remember, don't sniff it, just do it. I think it even says on here that it's uh, recording the call anyway, so we don't even need a countdown. (laughs) All right, guys, welcome to episode 101 of You Watch I Listen. Uh, This is week eight of quarantine now. Week Week eight. Uh, it is Thursday, May 6th or 7th. I don't remember what day it is. Uh, it's who cares? May 7th. Very nice. Okay. So, uh, we'll start out with the usuals. Josh, how are you? Not too bad. How are you guys? Uh, I'm, I'm swell. And, uh, how was your week? Uh, you know, normal. Normal quarantine week, I guess, uh, you know, playing some video games, uh, watching some TV and uh, uh, not much else. Uh, doing some projects around the house uh, where I can. Yep, pretty much. Taylor, how about you? Uh, same thing, be going to work every day. It's been weird. Uh, work's starting to pick back up, though, which is nice. Um, That's good. Saw a little kid fall on his bike today, so that was funny. Good. I- I saw something great last uh, earlier this week. I was driving, and uh, when you leave my street and you go to get back to the main road, there's this older woman riding on a bicycle, and she's wearing a face mask while riding her bike. And um, so I, I'm driving up, and she's coming my way, and there's a couple that's walking the opposite way of her, and she she's riding her bike, and she puts up her hand to wave, and as she's waving, she just fucking falls. <laughs> I, I, I was so happy. Like, I literally started laughing, and my foot pressed on the gas, so I, like, almost just ran her over. I was, I, I'm always happy when I see other people get hurt. Um, but outside of that, the week's been about the same. We're getting uh, our own individual well, which they're starting on next week. Uh, which is exciting, I guess. Um, sure. I mean, better than dead cat. It's better than dead cat. Well, dead cat. So. Well. 
<laughs> but outside of that, man, it's been about the same. You know, work is starting to pick up. NFL schedules coming out in just an hour and a half. Um, it sounds like almost every division is going to be doing um, uh, playing an NFC or an AFC team when they start out. So the AFC East would be playing the NFC West, I believe. Um, I, that's what it sounds like for the first month of the season. They're going to do AFC versus NFC. Um, which is cool. I mean, get it out of the way. I think it's always weird when, you know, like for the Dolphins, they just played the Patriots and the next week we're playing the fucking Cardinals. I, I like when things are like bunched. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's going to help out. I mean, I don't really know who's the NFC West. I, I, I feel like I should know. But the I NFC just... West is Cardinals, 49ers, Seahawks, and Rams. No, I don't want it. No, get it out. Yeah. No. <laughs> it's a tough division. It's hard enough as it is. We talked about it today, dude. It's awful. Oh, yeah, the, the strength of schedule. Yeah, the strength of schedule, which, by the way, can you believe that, like, people are starved for sports that much? They're having an NFL, like, re- dra- uh, schedule reveal, and people are, are about it, dude. Yeah, man, it's people are starving for sports. I mean, it's been over 50 days since the last American sporting event. Um, but we're getting one this weekend with UFC 249, which we'll talk about later on. Um, uh, before we get into our reviews and everything, uh, another big, big shout out to Jonathan Snowden for jumping on with us yesterday. Part of the You Watch, I Listen interview series to talk about his book, Shamrock, The World's Most Dangerous Man. Um, a really awesome interview. It was crazy today that, um, you know, we had him on last night. And then I put on the Dan Levitard show today and then he's on ESPN. So we got Jonathan, we got Jonathan started before ESPN did and not to toot our own horn, but our interview was so much better because we, I helped that I read the book. They were asking very general questions and I was asking very specific things for him to elaborate on. So he could almost scratch away the surface of what is in this amazing book. See right there. I would say pat yourself on the back some more, but it's more you taking a shot at Levitard more than anything else. I actually don't hate Dan Lebetard because he's a he's one of the few guys at ESPN that doesn't give a fuck, which I, I like. It's great. I mean, even so, I, that's the same guy that was like that he, he cried when uh, Jose Fernandez, the the pitcher for the Marlins. Yeah, died. Jose Fernandez. Yeah, yeah he's, he's very he's, close he's to the great. whole my, my, Miami sports scene. He's a uh, he's a uh, child of Cuban refugees, so obviously he has a connection to all the sports teams in Miami. Sure. I mean, with that last name, I don't get the I don't get the Hispanic heritage, but it's OK. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've heard some weird ones sometimes and I'm surprised there are a certain ethnicity. But regardless, um, listen to our interview with Jonathan Snowden from yesterday about his book, Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. Get the book. It is fucking incredible. Every MMA fan and wrestling fan. Should, Josh is taking screenshots at the same time and I'm having a good laugh because every time I look like I'm about to take a money shot. I know why. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, your, your mustache, you look like a shitty Captain Crunch. <laughs> Dude, it's gotten so long where I could legit like, it, like Can you put the... If I put the pomade in it, I could probably get it to stay. (laughs) Would you consider shaving the beard and just keeping the stash? No, no one needs to see that. You look like a a bloated Jack Sparrow. (laughs) 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 All right. It has to be the fat joke, too, in there. It can't just be. I haven't hit. Listen, I haven't hit you with a fat joke in a while. So it's. I miss it. Yeah, it's called being a good friend. You're welcome. Good. Good for you for not being a dick. The quarantine is taking the meanness out of me, man. It sucks. It, it, and honestly, is like you, you're down to a four, where a normal Dan's at a moderate eight throughout the week. An eight is like my average, I would say. Um, I'm at like a moderate four, and uh, I need to I need to pump. Uh, those are rookie numbers. I got to pump them up. You pump the numbers oh. way up. 
<laughs> Josh oh. gets the reference now. He understands. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we get into our reviews from last week, uh, we got to give a shout out to our friends over at Primal Urge Foods. Guys, you're stuck inside. You're quarantined. You're sick of being inside. You're sick of the same old shit. But I can tell you what's getting me through all this COVID coronavirus nonsense. And that's my Primal Urge beef sticks. That's right. Primal Urge beef sticks. They sent me and Taylor a free monthly subscription for the next couple months to hold us over because they're huge fans of the show. So we've been enjoying them. Taylor, you've been giving them to your dad, your coworkers, and we've all fallen in love. Delicious. The absolute best. But Taylor, so far, my favorite's the alligator right now because that's the, the one al- that I, I didn't think I would like that the most. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. I'm always a big fan of venison. So the venison jerky has been my favorite so far. Now, Taylor, if someone wanted to go ahead and get a subscription to Primal Urge Foods, where would you tell them to go? So the, the, the best way to do that is you go to www.primalurgefoods.com. Use promo code YWL for about for 20% off your subscription. Um, promo code YWIL as in you watch, I listens. Correct. You know, and you, and you will get your 20% off. You know, it's a nice chunk of change off, not to mention, you know, it's it's healthy. It's different. You know, expand your palate. You fucking peasant. Let's do something different. Like, like picture picture a loot crate of different meat sticks of all different flavors rather than your generic beef jerky. You can get it any fucking corner store or supermarket primal urge foods beef sticks are the absolute best you go to www.primalurgefoods.com sign up for its subscription type in promo code ywil at checkout and you'll get a 20 percent off your subscription it's worth it you get to have a meat stick taylor when this is over you get to have my meat stick again oh no you shouldn't have thanks <laughs> all right i'll send you a picture when this is done Whatever. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so uh, let's get into reviews. Um, now, Josh, before we start, did you watch the movie? No. You <laughs> consistently inconsistent. I love it. No, he, he's consistently consistently shit. Yeah, whatever. It's all right. <laughs> all right. All right so, um, get, uh, I'll, I'll uh, go. Can I go first? Absolutely, Taylor. Because I'm so so. I kind of spilled the beans to you last night. We were playing Call of Duty on accident without really saying yeah. to what you. What uh, you said to me was that. I don't want to give anything away about how I felt, but I've watched The Lodge three times. It's amazing. It is fucking (laughs) amazing. It's a 25 out of 10. It is so fucking good, dude. I can't get over how good it is. Listen, you know it's good when I text Justin and say you'll like this movie, even though it's not in English. Like, (laughs) No, it is in English. It is in English. (laughs) No, that's what I said. Even though it's in English, you probably still like it because the only one is like all that shit. Foreign movies. So this this particular movie is really, really interesting. Um, I love the way it's shot. Um, I love the characters. I love that it's a small cast and confined to really only about one house and one particular location. That's about it. Um, so the overall story arc is that there's a family that's uh, – there's a, you know, a mom, a dad, and then two kids, a brother and a sister. And then the mom and dad get divorced, but you don't see the divorce. And you just know it's at the end of their marriage. Yeah. So like she, uh, the mother brings the kids over to the dad's house and is like, listen, we should find is divorce. I'm marrying someone else in a couple months. Then she puts a gun in her mouth and pulls the trigger. What? Hey, dude, my, my jaw dropped because first off, she's the big name on this. It's Alicia Silverstone, one of the right. A-listers of the 90s, you know, irrelevant now, but she's still a name. And seven minutes into the movie, she pulls out a pistol and puts it in her mouth, blows her brains out. I literally went, I was not expecting that at all. Um, but again, the way it was, the surprise was very well done. It wasn't like a cheap jump scare. It was actually... No. 
well done. Because usually, usually horror films, shitty horror films, like you, it's the same thing with like a, with an average metalcore song. You know when the breakdown's coming, even if you've never sure. heard it before. Sure. Um, you know when the scare's coming. That just with like it immediately, boom, and you're like, okay, I'm in. What's going on? Then you learn about the the dad's girlfriend that was like the only surviving member of an entire cult suicide, mass suicide by a cult and, by a religious and, cult. And her father was the leader of this cult. Right. So you know, it's and then I I. I'm going to, I'm going to, I related to this in a very weird way because, you know, my parents didn't divorce. I'm very fortunate in that, but I went through a similar situation when like, it's going to sound weird when my grandparents divorced, my family's relatively on the younger side. It's like, it's weird when you introduce like, yo, this is my, like, this is my grandfather's girlfriend. What? I mean, good for him. But you can understand the kids being almost resentful, especially because they probably blame the father and then in turn blame the new relationship. Because you got to think kids that young, they're still thinking mom and dad might get back together. And they already had negative feelings towards a new girlfriend. And then, of course, they're going to resent the father and especially resent the new woman in his life. Right. So I, I thought they handled the situation again. It's it's very it's such a real story. And the way they handle it is, like I said, I related to it a lot because as a kid, I was weird seeing like, you know, introducing like, oh, that this is my girlfriend. This is my boyfriend. Like it was just weird to me. And I resented sure. that person. So that I, I, I remember that feeling very vividly. Um, and then it starts getting weird when they go up to this cabin that they always go to um, and is like. You know, obviously they're still attached to the mother. I, 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 I'm gonna, I, I'm not gonna go through the entire movie, but the movie is absolutely fantastic. Um, my favorite part of the entire movie is about midway through, and uh, everything in the house just goes missing. So they're in a house. The dad goes away because he's like a famous writer or some shit, and he ends up. And, having- yeah, he was, he was, he met the the girlfriend. That's an important part. He met the girlfriend writing a book about the cult that she was a part of. Right. So he was probably interviewing her while covering. It's like if Jonathan Snowden fell in love with Ken Shamrock. Right now, while, now, oh my God! While, um, now, now, while the kids resent the new girlfriend or the new fiance, while that's happening, you feel bad for the kids, but it does such a good job in feeling bad for her name was Grace. Feeling yes. bad for her, seeing that like maybe she was brainwashed by the cult, maybe she turned over a new leaf, you know. So they did a very good job playing both stories without having you say fuck this person. It, like it didn't make you pick sides, which was great. Um, yeah, and I, it was funny when I was watching. Watching it with the landlord, we were having the discussion throughout about how I felt really bad for her, but I also understood where the kids were coming from. So right. it was like there's two sides. I felt bad that she was making an effort to bond with these kids, help them decorate, talk to the daughter about what she wants for Christmas and explaining what it was like for her. And then they do that weird thing where the daughter shows the DVD they made with their mother uh, as a right. gift. So there's like this little thing, little thing is teased in it. I felt really bad when she, because like she obviously has good intentions to show the video sure. and stuff. But again, you know, she's she's a young she's a young girl. She doesn't know like that yeah. weird feeling Grace must have felt. But then, so she said, so the Grace is highly medicated. Everything goes missing. That's when shit starts getting weird. Um, and then I still don't fully understand what happened. I saw it three times and I still don't get it. Okay, is so that, um, so wait, what wait, I what wait, I wait, wait, let me let me explain what I mean is that like. There's one scene where Bill, the kid from the kid from uh, it, you yeah. know, the kid from it, Billy Boy, him. You see him hanging, but he's really not dead. Then you see like the obituary. I I tried to piece that puzzle together a couple times, but I still don't really understand. Can you like so, enlighten me a little bit? Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so there's a part where they fall. The kids are actually in grace. They're watching the thing. 
the classic John Carpenter thing. And she said, let's watch something different. They put on the terrible Michael Keaton family film, Jack Frost. They fall asleep. He brought in the gas heater. And then the next day after everything's missing, um, Bill talks with Grace and mentions how he had a dream that they they suffocated on the, uh, the gas heater at night and they were dead. The kids were gaslighting her because they hated her. They hid all her medication. They hid all this stuff. They wanted to make her think she was going crazy. That And this, so they staged that they were all dead. They made these things that they, they uh, the obituaries, the in loving memory picture of the kids. They wanted to drive her so crazy that she would leave their father and that she wouldn't want to be around them. But what they did was actually drive her insane to not understand when they were saying it was pretend we were faking because she really broke after she found her dog that the daughter accidentally left out. And there was no coming back after that. So, so they were try- they were gaslighting her. Right. So I guess when you put it like that, okay, now, now I'm starting to see it where there's like, you know, like she's, cause she, she's met highly medicated. They took her pills away. They don't really know what that, what those are for. She started having crazy, she started having crazy dreams and everything where she's, she's drowning and she sees her father where she walks when she tries to get help and she walks to that abandoned house and she thinks she sees her father in it. They wanted to make her go so crazy to tell her it's fake and then be like her to their father. I can't be around these kids. I hate them. They, They did this to me, but they actually made her believe that everything her father had indoctrinated to her as a child that brainwashed her with was real because they they even got the fucking the sound clips from their father's recording of the cult of him saying repent repent your sins and they were playing it on a fucking uh, sound bo- uh, sound bar upstairs so she thought she was hearing voices she was actually hearing her father's voice that these asshole kids were playing I went yeah. from feeling bad for the kids in the first hour of the movie and then to have it turned around on you where you a- I absolutely despised what they did and then the movie in the last from the moment like I remember when the kid it looked like he hung himself I was like holy shit this kid hung himself yeah I love this movie because I didn't see any of these twists and turns coming I, yeah it, it was it was in such a spot and the only part that really there's only two things that I said it's similar to hereditary in some ways the mental illness obviously the the little mannequins of the houses and everything sure and the one scene specifically is when she's sleepwalking and she's standing over the kid with a gun that reminded me of hereditary when she's holding the match and she's dreaming. yeah okay yeah that makes there's a lot there's a lot of similarities there but all in all i just i love the story and be, even though i still didn't understand what was happening i still like i said i watched it three times i loved sure. it that much. um so yeah i mean 25 is not a real score um just give it flat 10 out of 10 i absolutely adore this movie so- it's fantastic. I actually had I actually so after I rewatched it, I came up with um, it's a theory. You know, we like finding these things in these kind of movies, especially for you know. I I figured it out on the first time, but I know some other people out there like they didn't get everything happening just like you. So I actually have a theory that Alicia Silverstone told her kids to do this to her, to gaslight her. Before she kills herself, when they get back, after she, the father says that he wants a divorce, he wants to finalize it, they go back to Alicia Silverstone at home, and she's setting up books and notebooks, like arranging them very specifically. She takes off her necklace. The The son is later wearing that necklace. And there's um, when uh, Grace goes up to the kids in the attic when they're hiding, and they're saying we were pretending, the daughter actually says, we did it for mommy. There's part of me that's wondering if Alicia Silverstone told the kids you need to do this for me because even in her house she had the mannequin and they kept cutting to the house or not the mannequin the little figures of them on the floor just like when she woke up so i it's just a 
theory, it just makes me wonder a little bit because I almost have a hard time believing that kids could just, I mean, you have to obviously suspend disbelief with movies like this to a certain extent, but I have a hard time believing that kids could necessarily come up with this elaborate ruse without an adult influence. So I do wonder if the mother put them up to it, which just adds to the uh, intrigue of the film for me. Yeah, and the ending is also very uh, uh, ambiguous, leaves it up to interpretation. So what what she does... The ending I thought was right. And the, the main girl was awesome. Uh, Elvis Presley's granddaughter. She was great. great. Um, the, the kids were both great. Um, it, it's so, like you said, how it's in one singular place for the most part. It's so atmospheric, very similar in the, like the shining where you're just stuck in this one spot. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed the movie. I love the way it was filmed. I thought the acting was great. Very, I, I would not call it a horror movie. It is a pure psychological thriller and it uses horror as a vehicle because it's, yeah not a horror movie I, I i get a lot of um i just i just fucking lost the movie there was um because it has a certain ambiance the witch like how yeah, the dark yeah of the very floor, similar it has very droning ambiance with the snow in the woods yeah so, like, the same i felt but, that but those kids were assholes um oh, and i yeah. hope that <laughs> yeah uh, but the kids were both really good too but i'm really glad you liked it i had a feeling you would all right, Taylor, you gave me the album uh, Eternal Nightmare by Chelsea Grin, uh, a metal band. It came out in uh, it came out in 2018. Um, I was not familiar with this band, really. So the first couple times I listened to the album, I really didn't care for it. Um, I will say that with um, an asterisk because I really enjoyed the music. I didn't necessarily love the lyrics or the script, the vocals necessarily, but I loved the music. Um, so just based on the music, I wouldn't have been able to give it any l- less than a two on my initial listen. But I actually I, uh, I went for a drive today. Um, I was listening to it a little bit. Um, I listened to it again at home with my headphones in and I liked it a lot more. It was something about it that clicked differently. Maybe it was my mood. Maybe it was a nice weather. Maybe it was being in the car. Um, something about it resonated a little bit differently. Now, musically, this album is a five out of five. Uh, I can't say enough good things about the music. The breakdowns are great. Um, the musicianship from on every song is fantastic. Um, my biggest critique would be the vocals and the lyrics are a little heavy handed, but sometimes it metal it's most of the times a metal it's more about the energy than what is actually in the lyrics with certain bands and so um starting right off uh dead rose this is i actually have my revised scores too um dead rose i originally had it at two um listening again that went up to a three uh only one song i gave a one ultimately and it was a next song and uh, my note the song is called the wolf and my my note says it's not about bob's dad um so so that's a one (laughs) um the next song was uh, Across the Earth. I gave that a three, originally a two. See You Soon was a two initially, then it went to a three. 9.30 a.m. was one that I originally had in the one, but listening to it back went up to a three. I like that one a lot more. Uh, Limbs was a three the entire time. Actually, on my initial li- uh, listens, I liked the back half of the album more than the first half, um, and that held up here. So Limbs, I gave a three. Uh, Scent of Evil, I gave a two. Hostage was a three. Uh, Nobody Listened was my favorite song on the album. That was a five. That is a great fucking song. Um, from start to finish, the breakdown there, the chorus is awesome. The, uh, that one has the best musicianship from start to finish for me as well. Uh, Outliers, I gave it three. And the title track, Eternal Nightmare, was originally two, went up to a three. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily put this in my the highest class of albums for me. But the fact that I, it grew on me as I listened to it, and I think a lot of times at metal, I, I have to like put myself in a spot where like think about how much more you'd like this live. And that's one of the most important things. 
The energy on this album is awesome. It's it's uh, it's sinister. That's one of the things I could say about it. It sounds very angry and just just full of rage, which is you know most metal for the most part. But there's something almost like underlying evil about it, um, it and I really appreciated that. Um, so I want to give this one a three out of five. Not my favorite. Did not dislike it. Liked it more after multiple listens. Um, but again, I think that the music on this was absolutely sensational. I love the music on it. As far as metal albums go, the music on this one is among the best that you've given me. Yeah. Uh, the thing is with Chelsea Grin, like I said, with this album in particular, it was really just the first time the four piece came together and it's the band we know today. Um and to me, it was the most melodic and some of the best music of their entire discography. Um, I kind of agree with you with the lyrics. It is it is a bit heavy handed, but there are some times yeah. that, that guy just goes and yeah. you know, appreciate a great metal scream. So that's just something that I always loved about it. Um, the first time I even heard this album was actually live. Um, okay. Richie and I saw See, him at Warsaw. I feel like I'd really I'd really like that live. Yeah, Richie and I saw him at Warp Tour the one year, I think 2018, and that was when I like I've seen Chelsea Grin a thousand times, but like when they said Chelsea Grin is playing, are you okay? Yeah, I'm trying to put my blinds up, and I forgot how to do it. Just, I'm just gonna keep doing it. <laughs> so, like I said, so when Chelsea Grin comes on, and I see it's only four pieces, I go, "What the hell is going on here?" And then they start, they kick into the first song, which was like an old class. Well, they're only they're only a four piece band. Yeah, they're that's crazy four. because they sound like they're a six-piece band. So they so they used to be, like I said, three guitar players, a bass player, drummer, singer. Um, one of the guitar players took off to go be a, a doctor somewhere or some shit and playing the same type of metal. But the like I said, as a four-piece, it's absolutely fantastic. I'm happy that they went and went this route and they did this album because they easily could have gone the traditional old-school chugging route, which that sure. got which got him to the dance, but it wasn't necessarily something that was sustainable anymore. And that wasn't really in their repertoire. Um, so I'm really, I really appreciate that you like this album because not a lot of people do. And I understand why, because they're Chelsea Grin truthers. They're like, it's not really Chelsea Grin. Shut up. It's uh, shut up. Shut it's up. better than it's ever been, dude. Come on. Well, uh, we both uh, enjoyed our things. I'm really happy you liked The Lodge. I had a feeling you would. Um, so why don't we get into our picks for this week? I'm going to give you two options, Taylor. Okay. I'm gonna, one, of, one of your options is a lighthearted um, comedy, I'll say, goofy comedy um, that is fun. The other one is one of my favorite and maybe the most underrated A24 film there is um, that actually has the same girl from The Lodge in it. Um, All right, so we haven't done A24 in a minute, so let's do that. Okay, the movie I'm going to give you, it stars Joel Edgerton, one of the more underrated uh, guys we actually like a lot, and uh, Riley Keough, I believe her name is. The movie's called It Comes at Night. I believe this is on Netflix right now. Um, this is actually a very topical movie. It's a, it's basically a movie about quarantining yourself. Um, it, it's uh, some kind of event happens where this family is uh, hunkered down in for the long haul. Um, and you don't really know what's going on. It, it's a very, very dark movie. It's a very, very heavy movie. Um, the biggest mistake this had, and this goes over themes we've talked about recently, was that they marketed this as a hardcore horror movie. It's more of of like, um, uh, again, a psychological thriller, uh, a slow burn, similar in a lot of ways to The Road without that rela 
relationship dynamic to it, but a similar kind of thing. Because to me, one of the scariest movie scenes in the last 20 years I can think of is in the road when Vigo and his son go into that basement and they see all those bodies there and they all those people and they think they're about to get eaten. That was such an intensely dreadful scene. And this movie has a sense of dread throughout it. Um, I, I really, really love this movie. I try to tell as many people as I can that haven't seen it. Don't go into it expecting horror. Expect something that's going to keep you at the edge of your seat. Expect some really, really heavy stuff to happen. Some great acting. I, I think Joel Edgerton um, of Warrior fame is one of the more underrated actors out there right now. As you just saw with Riley Keough, she's a great actress. So my pick for you this week is It Comes at Night. Cool. All right. So since you're going to go that route, some heavy, you know, some ominous type, you know, some really sure. heavy stuff. I'm going to go really heavy myself. Probably the heaviest heaviest you've ever listened to. It's the heaviest sure. I've ever listened to. The band is called Infant Annihilator. Okay. And the album is called The Elysian Grand Evil Galarich. What? I know. <laughs> so I'm going to give it a black that? metal. Yes, I am. Why, dude? I'm giving him Can the you're... darkest of dark black metal. Oh this my god! Wrong. So wait, hold Repeat on. the name of that album. So the the Elysian Grand Evil Galarich. I'm just writing Grand Evil, and I can't wait for Josh to have to make a an episode title out of that next week. He's just mad about the title. That's what he's mad about. No, I'm not mad about the title. Mm-hmm. He gave him black metal. Nobody needs black metal except for fucking Ralph and Greg. <laughs> so, Here's here's what's even funnier about that. Ralph was asked. Ralph was asking me what I gave Dan last week. I and then or I told him to listen to Fit for a King, and he goes, "What are you giving him next week?" I go, "I'm gonna give him Infinite Annihilator," and he listened to it, and he goes, "Yeah, you know this th- th- this sounds like something Greg would listen to," and I was like, "Okay." Um, so I just want to <laughs> I'm just want to read. I'm just gonna read two song titles and two I want you to listen to specifically. You gotta listen to the whole thing. The one song is called Soil the Stillborn. <laughs> oh my god. You I thought you said this was heavy. This sounds like a comedy. <laughs> and then the other track is called Baptized, Bastardized, and Sodomized. <laughs> listen, I hold on. It is the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard in my life. They actually just released a new album this year called The Battle of Yalbadoth. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> um, but like I said, this album really is ridiculous. And even though it is very, it, it's crazy, crazy black metal. What's nuts about this band is that the, the music that they play and the way in which they play it can't be replicated live. And they have never played a live show. Um, it is never. honestly, yes, it is the weirdest. They, they're an anomaly. It's the weirdest thing ever. If you watch their stuff, <laughs> like you think it's a drum machine, but it's not. You think it's a good, you think it's all machines. It's not. They do playthrough videos. They do Q and A's with fans. They're real actual people. It's not some dude under an infinite annihilator, infinite annihilator, annihilator alias. It's real. And it is honestly some of the most groundbreaking metal of all time. But it, no one listens to it because of what I just told you. Baptized, bastardized, and sodomized. Soil that's not as bad as – yeah, that's not as bad as soil is stillborn. Like <laughs> – uh, what is it? Neutered in utero, pelt of innocent flesh, blasphemia. Josh, then, you have to listen to it too. I will. I will. Unholy grave birth, crucifilth, motherless miscarriage. 
Dude, it is the most wildest. I'll, I'll pair it to my uh, I'll pair it to my headset and I'll fucking listen to it while we're doing shipment twenty four seven. Oh, dude, it's the wildest album I've ever listened to. Infinite Annihilator, the the I can't the the Elysian, the Matt Damon movie. Uh, yeah, the Matt Damon movie, Grand Evil Gret Galarich. Okay, probably saying song too. By the way, probably. I mean, is anyone saying it right? No, not one person. And then uh, this is and this is also because there's a death metal, black metal album. Like it's one of those where you take a great big pile of sticks and you throw them together, and that's what the font looks like. Oh, that font. Uh, yeah, I, I prefer Comic Sans or, <laughs> or Win. Or I prefer Windings. I was I was about to say Wing. <laughs> that's the one I want. Uh, all right, so there are the picks for the week. Um, guys, you know who are having a better week then? Uh, uh, a lot of people. Uh, Earl Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this story breaks last night that there was some kind of domestic incident with Earl Thomas with his wife pulled a gun on him. And then the detail started to slowly roll out that his <laughs> his wife caught him in bed with another woman and his brother. So this uh, dude was having an orgy with his brother involved. Um, some other details came out. Uh after, after his wife signed into his Snapchat and located his area, his wife recalled uh, one of his snaps that showed him in a room with purple lights. She walked around looking for windows of purple lighting. When she found some, she went in. Um, she entered and threatened him with a pistol. He grappled with her in a hallway, disarmed her, and yelled to another woman who was present to call police. Earl, Earl then ran outside with a gun, and his wife chased him from behind. Jeez. Okay. I know. I, I don't know why the first thing I thought of was when you said he's like he's in bed with another woman and his brother. Like if you said that to like Budhead from Beavis and Budhead, he would be like, "Is like uh, his brother a dude?" <laughs> or just there's a lady. Cool. <laughs> he would have said chick, but regardless, uh, that was some great Earl Thomas news. Uh, and then in more sad news is that uh, the great Don Shula passed away this week at the age of 90. Uh, NFL's all-time wins leader. Uh, one of the guys, if you're making a Mount Rushmore of NFL coaches, he might be the first one you put on it. Mine would be like Shula, Walsh, Lombardi, Landry. It, I, I would probably go Shula, Lombardi. I have to put Belichick on there. Well, now, I have to. Now you can. I, I would say when his career is done, sure. Yeah, then I would probably say Walsh over Landry just because the West Coast offense is the only offense that exists in the NFL anymore. It's all some kind of variation of the West Coast offense. But uh, Shula, obviously uh, – the Dolphins have floundered ever since he retired, uh, besides a couple moments here and there. Their best coach since him was fucking Jimmy Johnson for three years, and him and Dan Marino didn't even get along. But, um, yeah, it was cool to see a lot of the tributes to Shula from uh, not just across the league, but across sports. You saw Pat Riley issue a statement, Don Mattingly, Derek Jeter. Um, you know, he, I mean, Shula's, uh, both Shula and Marino have numbers retired by every team in Miami, from the Marlins to the Heat, which is pretty crazy like that's why i was so pissed when two people dolphin fans were crying for two to get number 13 shut up mm -hmm. shut up you can't have that number how would you feel about some rookie you got the broncos took in the top five that you expect to be a superstar and your fellow broncos fans are wanting to get john elway's number 
Fuck you. You're not real fans. Get out yeah, of here. Exactly. And two of his credits said, no, dude, that's Dan Marino. Like, I, I realize that. <laughs> well, say it's the same thing. Like, if he takes a legend's number, he has to live under that legacy the entire time. It's yeah. a silly thing, but people still would do that. Like, if Drew Locke came out and is like, I want number seven because I want to be better than John, and then he turns out to be a bust, let's face it, it might happen. And, like, that, ha- it's going to be even worse. Like, sure. Just as bad as in Denver country, Jay Cutler says he could throw the ball 10 times farther and harder than John Elway gets traded two weeks later. Like, yeah, you know well, I mean? uh, speaking of that, another guy that's not having as good a week of us is uh, Mr. Jay Cutler. Um, his wife. He's is- having a great week. He's having a great week. His ex-wife is having a terrible week. They're both having terrible weeks because at the end of the day, he's the breadwinner and he's going to have to give her more than she's worth. Yeah. Um, but I did my favorite part of this. So Kristen Calvary wants a Cavallari, however you say her name. She wants a divorce um, because uh, Jay is unmotivated and lazy. <laughs> I feel like every Broncos and Bears fan was like, do you know who you married? We know. <laughs> We're well someone, on the, someone on the radio said they hope the divorce goes to Chicago so that a judge in Chicago will be like, oh, she's right, you know. I saw you play here. <laughs> I mean, if you, want and, to see, you want to see how lazy he was on the field? Remember when they when the Dolphins lined him out wide and he just stood there with his hands on his hips? That like, was great. I, I mean, the thing he's most famous for is the smoking Jay Cutler meme. It's amazing. And apparently when she said she, she wanted $5 million for a house, he told her to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I mean, like, sure. honestly, like, like, take away legal that legality and shit like that. Is he wrong? I, I'm pretty sure, honestly, that she probably has a good amount of money or, of her own. She was on that show. Um, uh, was it Laguna Beach or the Hills on MTV? One oh. of those. Both. Oh. She was on both. Okay. Um, so she, she probably she, has more money than he does. That's actually kind of crazy because she has her own show now. She has all these uh, fucking royalties. Yeah, she has royalties. She has her own Let's show. What, she writes books. Who the fuck is Let's reading whatever her, she has to say? I have no idea. Her net worth is $30 million. So she wants um, to from from him? Why? Jay Cutler in his career uh, made $122 million in contracts alone. So this is just how the legal system works is whoever makes more money, you're going to get half of it. I do think it's crazy that they had two homes and she was demanding to buy a new one. But I am not a marital expert. And obviously, if there was infidelity of any kind, um, you know, he's going to lose no matter what. Um, but to call Jay Cutler unmotivated and lazy is like saying Brett Favre, like sending dick pics. We know. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's again, it's another one of those things where it's like, I mean, so f- all I've heard is that she's coming out with new demands and new things that like he did, he did wrong or whatever. And all he said was to her is just get a job. Like, to be honest, relatively silent in the media. That's like he's playing into his own his own character, I guess, or who he actually is. Doesn't really it's, just cr- <laughs> it's crazy when, uh, when quarantine happened and I was listening to something on WFN about this. Um, they were out on vacation in Boca and they were like posting pictures were all happy. What happened in the last 50 days for her to realize that this dude is uh, lazy and unmotivated? And frankly, he had a long, he had a 12 year NFL career, got his ass kicked a lot of times. One thing you could say about Jay Cutler is that he played behind some battle offensive lines and he took ass kickings more often. He's a top son of a bitch, man. So I generally think with NFL players, they just want to be unmotivated and lazy for a while. Um, let him. You know, well, they got their asses kicked. Didn't he file? He filed to her. So she didn't uh, I just saw. I just saw they filed. I don't know. So I, I, I couldn't say again. I'm not. 
I'm not a divorce attorney. I might have to hit up some Esquires we know and ask about this and, uh, yeah, and find out. But, uh, I, I did appreciate that news. Um, we were talking earlier about how we are getting, um, our first, uh, live sporting event in, uh, over 50 days. Uh, this weekend with UFC 249, we went over the card a little bit last week. Uh, I am stoked, dude. I am really, really excited for this card. Yeah, I am too. Um, you know, when we had talked a couple, we had talked about a month a month ago, like when, like in the, at the height of coronavirus panic, um, about Gaethje stepping in to fight Tony, sure. and how, you know, stuff like that. And the only thing we really disagreed on was stopping the entire card, which ended up happening anyway. I guess sure. That was 48. Yeah. 249. Um, no, they, they they canceled UFC 249. Now they're doing UFC 249. Oh, okay. Yeah, they canceled it initially, but then they brought it back. Um, I'm really looking forward to this Ferguson Gaethje matchup. Um, yeah, I want to I want to go over some of the fights and we'll discuss who we think is going to win. And then let's even do our win loss records against each other. I mean, obviously we'll have some similar ones, um, but uh, yeah, this one of the things that's going to be really cool with this card this weekend that has me like extra excited for. Apparently, they're adding some new uh, features to this to make it more of an intimate setting. They're going to have like the entire cage like fully mic'd up, so it you'll be able to hear every punch and every kick that lands. You'll be able to hear guys kind of talking shit to each other if that's a case. Like if we get a head kick knockout, it's going to sound like Rocky hitting the meat slab in the freezer. Yeah, like that. That's going to be really cool. I think it's going to be one of the most unique. UFC experiences because they're going to change some of the production stuff. I, I am I am very excited in that regard. Like so, that's the one thing. Like uh, I like it, when I bring people in from the outside to watch MMA. The first thing I ma- I make them watch to get them interested is Nick Diaz versus Anderson Silva. Just put the way Nick Nick and uh, Nick Anderson Nick Diaz talks shit. To Anderson. <laughs> Basketball player, stupid. No, that's not who me and Josh are laughing at. <laughs> Either way. Dumb. Um, so, uh, I, I fucked it. Yeah. Because how Nick Diaz talked shit to Anderson in the cage, he laid down, you know, he, st- he stood there while Anderson sure. did nothing to him. Yep. And the one thing was because Nick talks so much trash, people get interested in Nick Diaz. And on that fight, Joe Rogan goes, we're on pay-per-view, bitch. Drop a mic in there. I want to hear what they're saying. This is that yeah. perfect opportunity. And this is one of those things where if it works well, Maybe they can incorporate it with a full arena. I don't know. It'll be hard with a full crowd because you'll be able to hear you'll be able to hear people sitting cage side yelling and talking. If that's the case, this is going to be really unique. But uh, let's go over some of these fights. Um, We'll jump right to the ones where I know you know who they are. Um, The first one being Jacare Zuza versus Uriah Hall. Jacare with a record of twenty six and eight. Maybe one of the best fighters to not win a UFC championship against Uriah Hall, fifteen and nine. Um, really good middleweight fight. Jacare has always been right on the fringe of winning the title or fighting for the title. Uh, for me, Uriah Hall is super talented, but there's a reason he's only six fights above 500. He's 15 and nine. He can win this fight. Jacare hasn't fought in a bit, um, but I got to take Jacare in this one probably by decision. Um, I'll take Jacare too, um, but I'll, I'll take him by submission. His uh, ground game is really still Obviously, he, He's one of the uh, best jujitsu practitioners ever. And, and my thing, too, I kind of agree with you with, with Uriah Hall. He's super talented. He has one of the greatest highlight reel knockouts I've ever seen on The Ultimate Fighter. Oh, He's yeah, yeah. Spending back kick where he broke the dude's jaw. Like, that was nuts. But you're right. Like, for someone who's that talented, I feel like he should have at least done something a little more 
uh, done something better in his career. I don't want to talk crap about the guy, but it's just in this one, I think Jacques he's never he's easily. never lived up to it. And Jacques did fight back in November and I uh, lost to Jan Blackowitz. Um, but I, I we're both taking Jacques in that one. Um, the next one it, that uh, we can talk about is Fabrizio Overdoom, former UFC heavyweight champion, arguably the greatest UFC heavyweight champion of all time. It's up for debate, obviously, against Alexi Olenek. Now, this is an interesting one because Verdum has not fought in quite a while. His last fight was a KO loss to Alexander Volkov, and that was back in May of 2018. Uh, and he got knocked out in the fourth round of the fight he was winning. Um, Alexi Olenek is a guy I really enjoy watching because he pulls off some crazy submissions. Um, he j- pulls off like... Um, Ezekiel chokes, which is one of the harder submissions to pull off. I've seen him pull off one while he was on the bottom before. Um, he's coming off a win over Maurice Green um, back in January. So he has fought far more recently. Verdum is a guy, I believe, that benefited from um, very, uh, let's say, uh, not strict drug testing for years. He suddenly went to being kind of beefed up, uh, became a great, he did to his credit, became a very good Muay Thai kickboxer. But once Usada came in, he started to look a little different. His body type changed. Um, and Olenek, you know, this is how crazy it is. Fabrice Overdoom has been fighting in MMA for so long. He fought Big Nog back in the day in Pride. Alexi Olenek's record is 58-13-1. So, this is a fight where Fabricio gets it to the ground. He's one of the great jujitsu guys ever. Olenek, very good on the ground himself. But the ring rust factor, the weird circumstances in which he'll be fighting and coming off a, a long, long layoff and off um, what I believe was performance-enhancing drugs for the bulk of his championship run, I'm going to take Alexi Olenek in this one. By um, I'm going to say second round TKO. Okay, uh, that's definitely not out of the realm of possibility, but I just got to give – I'm just going to pick Verdum because for other reason than just to be different, honestly. I, I don't I don't know Alexi's career enough. I know Fabricio more than enough. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the long layoff, the ring rust, and the uh, coming off the drugs is a big yeah. thing for me. But I, I, I think it's the same thing. Like, Fabricio is very slippery. If someone – if he messes up once, he's going to catch you in a fucking guillotine. Like he did for this sure. before, and he did it to uh, – no, well, not a guillotine, but he he did it to Fedor and he did it to. So he Kane. got he got uh, yeah he got uh, Kane the guillotine he got Fedor in a triangle choke. Right. Um, so he now, he's slippery. Yeah, for sure. But I I think he's a guy that I think has really been hurt by Usada, very similar to the way Ra- uh, Rafael dos Anjos was. But right. uh, we got different ones on that one. Uh, the next is a rematch from a, a while ago. I got to even think about. Let me just take a look when they first fought. Um, was uh, let's see. Jesus, this is a long, long time ago now. Where is the original fight between Anthony Pettis and Donald Cerrone? Back in 2013 was the first time they fought. Um, so it's a rematch between Anthony Showtime Pettis, former UFC lightweight champion at 22-10 and 10 against Donald Cowboy Cerrone coming off the Conor McGregor loss with a record of 36-14-0. Uh, the first time they fought <clears throat> wasn't competitive. Uh, Pettis knocked him out in the first round with a kick to the body. Floored him. He was done. I think it's going to be very similar. Um, Now, this is a situation where Cerrone can be Donald Cerrone because it's chaos. And I feel like Donald often does well when it's a chaotic situation. Short notice fight. 
uh, coming off a really bad high, highest profile loss of his career, highest profile fight of his career. Um, and Pettis is coming off two straight losses. Pettis hasn't really looked too good. He's another guy like Uriah Hall. While he was UFC lightweight champion, he you still feel like he could have done more. But with that said, I think Pettis is one of those guys. It's just a terrible matchup for Cerrone. Um, so I'm going to take Anthony Pettis here by uh, same thing. First round TKO. All right. Uh, I'm actually I'm going to take Cowboy um, and I want to expand on your point where Cowboy kind of ex, like exceeds in chaos. Um, it seems like when shit starts going south or when stuff start like shit, like shit starts hitting the wall. He has like this thing where, he, I, again, like you're watching it in real time, like athletes have this thing where every once in a while you get in a zone where everything just slows down. Sure. Every single time Cerrone has had that opportunity or had, or had uh, the opportunity to like sit back and kind of like gauge everything and figure everything out. He slows everything down and you, you get that, you know, you get that highlight reel knockout, the four, the four punch combo. And I think this, this could be very much the same outcome. So, you know, again, and he's just a brawler. He like, it's same yeah. with Chuck, Chuck Liddell said the same thing. I'm a fighter. I fight that's what I do no matter what and that's what Cerrone does so um, I'm all, I'll be pulling for Cowboy in this fight for sure because I think he needs a win they, this is a fight oh, where sure guys need a win a win could propel them back into kind of contention and kind of back in the mix sure Sure. Uh, the next fight is former NFL All-Pro pass rusher Greg Hardy. Uh, um, let me let me rephrase. Former NFL pass rusher and female abuser Greg Hardy against uh, Jorgen DeCastro, guy who uh, won a fight on Dana White Tuesday Night Contender Series, uh, won his UFC debut as well. He's 6-0. and Greg Hardy is 5-2. and uh, Greg Hardy, to his credit, took a huge step up in competition in his last fight, fighting Alexander Volkov on short notice, losing a decision. Um, I can't say anything about Jorgen DeCastro because I haven't really seen him fight that I recall, but um, he's 6-0. and uh, He has won fights in the later rounds, something we haven't seen Greg Hardy able to do yet. Um, I think Greg Hardy has shown now that he does not handle chaos very well. Um, you know, his UFC debut, he gets disqualified for an illegal name. Uh, his other fight, he he's doing okay, and then he's using an inhaler in the mid-round, saying he didn't know he could do that. Um, I He also had an interview today where he uh, said that he's nervous about this fight because he has asthma and with coronavirus going on. Sounds to me like his head isn't there. He's obviously a bit of a fucking head case anyway. Uh, I'm going to take Jorgen DeCastro by second round TKO. Yeah, uh, with everything you just said, uh, I don't, again, I don't know anything about Jorgen. Um, I just know that Greg Hardy played the end for the Panthers and then that shit happened and then Jerry signed him and that was about it. Um, I do know that he's got, that Greg Hardy does have a fucking, you know, he does have power in that right hand of his. Sure. But, I'll take Jorgen in this one too because again the same thing. As as someone who wasn't asthmatic at one point in his life, it's constantly in the back of your head, especially in the middle of like an athletic competition. Um, well, he's, you're and then you use it. The- yeah. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, that was I was also in high school. It was different, but like it, it's always in the back of your mind, and especially with everything that's going on. You know, it's, again, I agree with you. He's he's not all there. Yeah, normally. Okay. All right. The next fight is a really good one. Uh, Jeremy Stevens versus Cal- Calvin Qatar. Jeremy Stevens coming off a unanimous decision Ooh, lost it. That guy. E- exactly. Jeremy Stevens at a record of 28-17 coming off a loss to Yaya Rodriguez. A great fight by decision. Uh, Calvin Qatar coming off a loss to one of the top contenders in this weight class of featherweight, whose last name I can't say, but I just call him Zabit. He's an animal. Uh, lost a decision. No shame in that. But before that, he'd be in Ricardo Lamas, uh, Chris Fish gold, a uh, guy, a lot of talent. Jeremy Stevens is a guy, major power, good wrestler, a lot of heart. 
but another guy like Cerrone comes up small in the big fights. Obviously, with power like Jeremy Stevens, you can end it at any time. But I'm going to go with the younger guy in Calvin Qatar, guy who just did a had a great fight with Zabit, who's one of the top contenders at featherweight um, and a record of 20 and four. I'm going to take Calvin Qatar over Jeremy Stevens by decision. I'll take Jeremy Stevens by third round KO. Uh, it just again, I just think what you said. He just has he has fucking dynamite in that right hand of his dynamite. If he, if he again, if he just connects once, flush to the jaw. One, if Calvin eats that. So much respect to him, and two, if again, if Jeremy really hits you flush on the draw, nine times out of ten, you're you're going out like a light. So sure. I got Jeremy Evans. All right, the co-main event of the uh, evening. This is an awesome, awesome heavyweight. Or actually, this isn't the co-main. This is uh, one of the co-mains, I guess you could say. Francis Ngannou versus uh, I, I, this guy's name is hard to say. Jarzio Rosenstruck. Um, he is, uh, he's 10 and 0. uh, he has only gone decision once in his career. He's coming off. Uh, let's see how many straight knockouts. He last went to decision in May of 2018. And since then he has knocked out Robert McCarthy in the first round. He's knocked out junior, um, Albani in the, in the second round, Alan Crowder in his, um, in his second UFC fight, nine seconds into the first round, Andre Orlovsky in his next UFC fight, 29 seconds in the first round and his most recent fight. One of the great comeback knockouts I've ever seen in my life. He was on his way to losing a decision to Alistair Overeem, and he knocked him out with four seconds left in the fight. Um, major, major power, not the most technical. And then on the other side, Francis Ngannou, 14-3 and three on a three-fight winning streak. All of his knockouts coming in the first round. Curtis Blades, uh, one of the top contenders at heavyweight right now. Cain Velasquez, Junior Dos Santos in the first round. Um this is a really good fight. Uh, honestly, it's one that could go either way. When you got two guys this size that just wing bombs, um, I, you, I, but again, with the, the training camps being weird, we know we've seen Ngannou's gas tank challenge. We've seen his mental state in a fight like Derek Lewis. I wonder if he's there all the way. But with that said, I got to go with Ngannou because I favor his power and explosiveness over uh, Rosenstruck. Yeah, uh, I think it's I think it's cool how both these guys fighting. You know, th- their big fight was that like show out was both against Alistair Overeem. You know, yeah, um, they the both great had- gate- the great gatekeeper. Yeah, uh, I mean, I also see that that Rosenstruck beat Arlovsky too. That's nuts. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, just because one, I haven't seen this guy fight before, um, I'm going to take Francis because Francis still absolutely scares the shit out of me. Um, it's horrifying. He put Overeem in the orbit with one punch. Um, (laughs) He turned him into a Pez dispenser. Dude, it was, that's one of the most, and he was so quick. But again, I mean, he's gone through the trials. You know, he went through that fight with Steve Bay. He's rebounded quite quite well since that horrendous Derek Lewis fight. To me, still is not the worst fight I've ever seen. Him beating Curtis Blades is still very surprising to me. Well, Um, and Curtis Blades, that was the second time he beat him, too, because he beat him once back in um, 2016 by second round doctor stoppage. And then he goes ahead and knocks him out in the first round, 45 seconds in in the rematch. And you look at a guy like Curtis Blades, where his career is at. And Curtis Blades is a very good wrestler, which is his, you know, bugaboo. Um, Curtis Blades is 13 and two. His two losses are to Francis Ngannou. And this is who he's beaten in the UFC. He's beaten Mark Hunt, Alistair Overeem, Shamil Agabi Manoff, and Junior Dos Santos, and Justin Willis. Blades is no joke. And Ngannou starched him twice. 
twice. That's nuts. But uh, I'll take Francis. I think if Francis wins this fight by, like, if he dominates, you're talking like a first-round KO. He's minute. next in line after Cormier. Yeah, well, I mean, he's already ranked number two anyway. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, if, again, with this, if he if he wins this in devastating fashion, his next fight should be a title fight. That's just me. Absolutely. All right, next fight, co-main event, the actual co-main event, the fight I am most excited for. This is a dream matchup for me, honestly. Um, triple Triple C, Henry Cejudo, UFC flyweight champion, UFC uh, 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 bantamweight champion, Olympic gold medalist, um, come uh, fighting the returning after four years, former UFC bantamweight champion, the greatest UFC bantamweight champion of all time, Dominic Cruz. Um, I love Dominic Cruz. I, I think his story is incredible. The amount of times he's been injured and on the shelf when he came back and beat TJ Dillashaw for the title after being on the shelf, when he beat TJ Dillashaw, he hadn't fought in two years and had two devastating knee injuries. And he put on a masterclass and defended the title against Uriah Faber before losing the title to Cody Garbrandt. And now he's fighting Henry Cejudo, who is right there in the mix for the best pound for pound fighter alive, maybe on track to become one of the greatest fighters of all time an amazing wrestler major power improved his stand-up dominic cruz is gonna win this fight yes i believe in, yes. I, I, believe, I believe in heart i believe that his unorthodox style is this is the perfect time for it because his movement isn't i was shocked when he came back against dillashaw and he still looked the way he did and i believe that he can do that he i'm a little worried about him getting popped with the power of cejudo because cruz hasn't had the best chin in his career i mean he's only been off dropped by punches a couple times in his career he's only lost to two right he's only lost to two people in his career the first time he fought uriah favor then he beat uriah twice then he got the first fight he got dropped by uriah and then submitted he got dropped a couple times in the rematch. You saw Garbrandt drop him a couple times. His recovery and cardio are phenomenal. I believe in the heart of Dominic Cruz. I believe his takedown defense is going to be good enough to keep Cejudo at bay. I think he's going to be moving around too much for Cejudo to be comfortable in his shots. And I think he's going to pick him apart en route to a five-round decision win and becoming the UFC bantamweight champion again. I completely agree with everything you said. The only thing I really, I'm really bummed out about is that you know these two are Dominic is probably, for my money, outside of Bisbing, the best shit talker I've ever heard. Next to him, oh, he's 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 just he's a very intelligent person, and I think um, for any athlete or competitor um, that we've talked about this on the show before is watch his post fight press conference after he lost the title to uh, Cody Garbrandt, how well he handled it and the things he said. And to, I, I just have such an admiration for people like him that come back. You're seeing something similar happen right now in the NFL with Alex Smith and how he's trying to come back. And I love those kind of stories. So I'm really, really rooting for Dominic Cruz. I don't hate Cejudo like a lot of people do. I think he's corny, but I like that he kind of embraces the cringe rather than someone like um, Colby Covington, who doesn't realize how cringy he is. Cejudo embraces it. Colby stinks, but yeah. yeah, like I would love to, like I would, I would love the press conferences leading up to this because I know Cejudo and Dominic would one thousand percent go back and forth with each other. It'd be very sure. entertaining, and for my money, it would probably be the most anticipated fight of the night 
if not for the next one we're about to talk about. But I agree with you. I think Cruz is really going to win this fight. And thinking back on it now, those three fights in a row for that title, you know, Dominic loses to TJ, or uh, he comes back, he beats TJ. Then he loses to Cody. Then TJ comes back and beats Cody. Those are three crazy fights right in a row. Um, And Dominic is right in the thick of that. So I think, again, he's shown that when the spotlight is on him, he rises to the occasion more often than not. And I really hope he just – I really hope he comes back and he wins this fight. It would make my entire night. I wouldn't care who would win. It would make my whole night. Yeah, and so now we move on to the main event. Um, Tony Ferguson, uh, the interim UFC featherweight champion, uh, fighting or it's for the interim title. He's a former interim champion fighting Justin Gaethje. Um, originally supposed to be fighting Habib. Um, great fight on paper. This is an awesome fight. Tony Ferguson, winner of twelve fights in a row. You to find the last time that he lost Tony Ferguson. You have to go all the way back. And I was in attendance for this fight. It was um, the co-main event of UFC on Fox Three. That was Nate Diaz versus Jim Miller was the main event. He hasn't lost a fight since 2012. And that was to Michael Johnson, and he was injured coming into that fight. And these are just some of the names that he's beaten since then. Danny Castillo, Abel Trujillo, Glayson Tebow, Josh Thompson, Edson Barbosa, Landon Venata, Rafael Dos Anjos, Kevin Lee, Anthony Pettis, Donald Cerrone. Those yep. are the names that he's beaten. He kicked Kevin's ass. I cannot stand yeah. And he shut him up so quick because Kevin's like, oh, I'm this big time wrestler. And then Tony got yeah. his hands on him. And that was a wrap, dude. I and then, then you then you go to uh, Justin Gaethje, who uh, after his sensational UFC debut against Michael Johnson, uh, who we know beat Tony Ferguson back in 2012, uh, lost his follow up fight, an amazing bout against Eddie Alvarez, lost his next fight, another great fight to Dustin Poirier. <laughs> Um, and then has won three in a row since then, beating very, very good competition in James Vick, Edson Barbosa, and Donald Cerrone, finishing them all within the first round, the furthest of them going four minutes and 18 seconds in them. That was Donald Cerrone. Um, I, I don't see how Tony Ferguson loses this fight after outside of an early knockdown, knockout. And that can happen because Tony leaves himself out there to get hit a lot, especially early. And that's going to be Gaethje's best chance. Now, with a heart like Justin Gaethje and the cardio of Justin Gaethje and the recovery of him, he's always in it. Doesn't matter. He's always in the fight. Um, but Tony Ferguson is going to propose the same kind of problems for Gaethje that you saw Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier pose. He's too well-rounded on the feet. He's not just going to stand in front of him like you saw with Michael Johnson. He mixes it up too well. He moves around so much. Every time you think a straight punch is coming, he's throwing a fucking spinning elbow. Every time you think there's a spinning elbow, he's doing some kind of wild kick. He has too many tools in his tool shed. His cardio is maybe the best in the sport right now, Tony Ferguson's. And Gaethje's, while I think it's very good, if you have a great cardio gas tank and you're going against a guy who's a slightly better, it's going to look like you're gas the second you get a little tired because that guy's still going to be going yeah for sure and the other thing too you mentioned so his two losses in the ufc his first three fights like you said michael johnson eddie alvarez dustin poirier you're talking about three huge wars back to back to back eddie alvarez specifically was an absolute brawl and the michael johnson fight the michael johnson fight was a fucking brawl He, he got dropped several times i thought he was getting knocked out in that one too that was wild. And then he's actually the reason that for a while, I don't know if they, it's still a thing now, they stopped letting uh, fighters on the cage because he tried to do his patented backflip and he fell. He oh. ate it, yeah. 
And they were like, well, what happens if he like really hurt himself? And then like a couple months later, something happened with Tony or there was another big fighter that had a big fucking injury because of stupid shit. But um, for this fight, I agree with you again. Um, I don't see how Tony loses. Um, like you said, he has too many tools in his arsenal that could really stop Gaethje, where Gaethje really should. He hasn't done it that much in his entire UFC career, but if he utilizes his otherworldly wrestling, he has an opportunity. But Tony is one of the most dangerous people off his back I've ever seen. So yeah, and I was gonna say his his wrestling in this out of it, not one. I was gonna say his wrestling in this situation. I I don't know how much it's gonna help him because Tony off his back, beyond the submissions, he throws these wild elbows from the bottom that'll fuck you up. And I just I think Gaethje his best chances in the first round, maybe second round, because once Tony figures out his range and he gets comfortable and loose in there. I think it's over. I think it's over. Yeah. Um, it's, I'm going to take. It, I'm going to take Tony Ferguson by. Well, go ahead. What were you going to say? Uh, no, if he gets his hands on him again, I just. It's one of those things. I think it's one of those. Gaethje has to go for broke round one and just go for it, which he will anyway. Yeah. But it's one of those things where again he's not Habib, but like when Tony gets his hands on you, that's usually a wrap. Um, yeah. um, it's kind of the same thing here because even if Gaethje was a bet was better on the ground, which we all know that he is. I agree with you. I don't think it would it would help, but it wouldn't be nearly as effective as Tony's jujitsu with Ten Plan and Eddie Bravo. You know what I mean? Sure. So, so that, that's uh, so. What I'm look at. So for this fight, I'm gonna take. I think the first two rounds will be incredibly exciting, but I think the third round, Tony Ferguson's gonna really take over. Towards the end of the second round, I think he's really gonna take over. Um, and I think third round. Uh, you're going to see Justin Gaethje try to utilize his wrestling shoot in, and Tony Ferguson is going to get him in a anaconda choke and choke him out in the third round. That would be interesting. Uh, you know, just because I like saying it and it would be cool, uh, I think he's going to tap him out in the fourth round with an omoplata. That'd be sick. <laughs> There's only been one omoplata in UFC history. So that's what I'm saying. It's the greatest word ever. What happened? What, Matt, yo, if I call that, mm. call my shot. Never going to happen, though. All right, so I'm excited for this. Um, now, the last thing we have to acknowledge is um, the the mystery of the Uwatch Eyeless and Hacker. Um, uh, yes. And by mystery, I mean when the show ended last week and I was again accused of being the hacker, I told you guys who I thought it was. And sure enough, that was uh, confirmed. It's none other than our good friend Jerry Emer. Um, I, I, it's funny, my buddy Nick just texted me a second ago asking if it was Richie. And I'm going to reply, Richie's not smart enough to do something like this. and <laughs> Which is saying something because this was the dumbest troll ever, Jerry. Now, Jerry was asking me like what he said that basically where we shit on it during the NFL draft, he realized how dumb it was and he's like and i told him it was basically the way he typed that gave it away and i i have advice for him on how to do this better in the future to someone else because you won't be able to get me now you didn't get me this time or us this time um first off don't just come out trying to hack you got to like issue some threatening tweets first don't do it and then make a twitter account make a twitter account and build to something make a facebook and build to something make like a guy that looks like one of those indian dudes that's asking a girl to date him make like that facebook profile and start commenting on things and then just slowly build up start making like photoshops of us being like do you know what's going to happen and it's all in good fun but you came out you know you had the base is loaded no outs all you had to do was get a sacrifice fly driving around the tie it and you were trying to swing for the fences and you struck out on three pitches yeah i was gonna say i would say with that luck you know he hit a ground ball to third base roll triple pair that's how yeah <laughs> yeah i mean i appreciate you know having some fun with it i sent you the video that he sent about um uh you know uh 
what is it? Uh, um, him revealing himself. It was funny. The Twitter account was funny. I appreciate it. I like the effort, but I want to see a better effort if you're going to try, try trolling us. I want to see a better effort. Yeah. No, I, I think it's funny how, like, he heard us shitting on it, and he's like, oh, this is bad. Yeah, and <laughs> here's the thing. I'm a, I am a high-level troll, and just based on being friends with me, your troll senses have gone up, and your trolling you. ability to understand. I see dummies, like, someone's, Nick's asking me if it's Richie. Richie's getting into an argument with a bot on Twitter earlier about racism <laughs> without realizing it's a bot. I literally commented, like, you fucking idiot. It's a bot, you dummy. I love that. Uh, That's so funny. Where do you um, think Josh is? Where's Josh right now? I have no idea, but I was going to bring this story up before we ended anyway, so I might sure. as well say. So last night after we do the interview with Mr. Snowden, it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, we all hop on Call of Duty. You know, I'm on Xbox. They're on PlayStation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He knows. Uh, we hop on Call of Duty. We're playing. And then two of Josh's friends joined the party. So we got a full team of five. We're playing shit in 24-7. It's fucking awesome. And Dan figured out how to change his name on Call of Duty to – uh, favor your butt, right? No, your your Bert. Oh, your Bert. But <laughs> is your butt or something like that? Either way, it just looks like your butt. It looks like your butt, right? So we're playing shipment, and one of Josh's friends saves him and goes, "I just saved your ass, your butt." <laughs> <laughs> and four of us. I'm almost 30. They're in their 30s. When I tell you laughed for 30 minutes. Dude, I was laughing all night. I was laughing the rest of the night and this morning. I was legit crying. I was laughing so hard. And obviously, you know, it was just, it was fun to hear them try to talk shit. Like, to like the other little kids. (laughs) The game joined, they they joined in the game after that. And the guy goes, I fucked your dad. <laughs> yeah, that was and, one of the funny things. Oh my god, uh, dude, it was so funny. And yes, even when the game started, and Josh's friend comes in and he goes, "Who's your Bert?" <laughs> <laughs> that was, was funny. I was I was telling the landlord the same story earlier, and I was like. I was like, I told her about, I told her about the, the origins of favor and Bert and how it started. And I was like, the guy saved me. And he goes, I saved your ass, your butt. And she even started laughing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. So I think that wraps it up. Um, Again, go listen to our uh, interview with Jonathan Snowden about his book, Shamrock, the world's most dangerous man. Go order it on Amazon. It's a great read. Um, Go get your primal urge food subscription. Use promo code YWIL for 20% off uh fantastic meat sticks uh, you definitely want to have them especially if you're on on the job all on the job all the time moving around it's a great pick-me-up snack and just great for having around the house um this was episode 101 of you watch i listen we will see you guys next week peace later